Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So let me ask you this. Are you the one that always gets the cake for the office birthday parties and passes around the card? Are you the one who schedules the kids' dentist appointments, figures out the carpool pickups, checks in on the neighbors, comforts the sick kid? That's emotional labor, and that can take its toll. We're talking about what emotional labor is and how to handle it right here, right now on Polly Campbell Simply Said. Hello, 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 and welcome to Polly Campbell Simply Said, the podcast where we talk about how to live well, do good, and be happy. And we're talking about something that I am only just learning about today. It's called emotional labor. Have you heard of this term? I have not, but I bet when I explain it to you, you'll know exactly what I am talking about because this just hit me. I read a great article in Greater Good um, at berkeley.edu about emotional labor. And it cited the book by Rose Hackman called Emotional Labor. I'm going to put those links in the show notes and you can check them out because I think this is a really interesting topic. It's not a new new topic. It's a new to me topic, right? I'm just learning about the definition of this and the formal uh, title, which came up from sociologist Arlie Hoshand, in 1983, she wrote about emotional labor. But even though I didn't know the name for it, it's something that I felt. And I bet many of you have to, especially if you're BIPOC, if you're a woman, if you're a person of color who has felt marginalized at different times by the systems and issues facing our society. It's not uncommon, unfortunately, but we can have a hand in making the shift. And I think it starts with understanding. So what are we talking about when we're talking about emotional labor? Emotional labor is described as the practice of putting another's feelings and desires ahead of your own, right? So when your husband is having a stressful day at work or your partner is having a stressful day at work and needs you to fill in with support, to do more at home, to uh, pick up the kids or make the dinner, even though you've got your own challenges, that's an example of emotional labor. It requires not only physical labor to make the dinner, but emotional labor to step into that void where other people are 
struggling, right, to pick them up. It's also emotional labor when you're thinking ahead to your mother-in-law's birthday and you're buying the card for your partner to give to her, even though it's not your mom, right? You're stepping in and taking care of that emotional connective thread that runs through families for your partner. We see instances of emotional labor show up when you say something that could be perceived as racist or otherwise defamatory or discriminating. And you go to the person of color and say, explain to me how this is racist. Then the burden falls on them to explain your bad behavior. That puts emotional labor, the burden of emotional labor on that other person right? Now, emotional labor isn't always bad. Often it's not. It's okay to want to nurture your family. It's okay to step in and support a partner or step up at work for a coworker or identify things that are going to support and encourage and make people feel good and take that upon yourself to buy that birthday card or get that graduation present or whatever it is. But when you are the one that is constantly in that role, like it so often is for people of color, like it so often is for women, for years, for centuries, these groups have been thought to be the only ones to deliver this, right? Where they're more emotional, they're more intuitive. It is still labor and it is still depleting and exhausting. And when it turns that way, when we take on too much, when we are expected to fill in these gaps, to socialize and support and connect, that's when it becomes a drain. And that's when it can harm your health and harm your families and the other things that you care about as well. It becomes a liability then. That's what people pleasing looks like, right? And that's something I can relate to as a woman, as a firstborn, as a, a responsible person. I want to support others. I want people to feel good. And there's some payoff when they do until there's not, right? There's some payoff when I can do something that supports them until there's not. And then that not part creates conflict for me. It makes me feel marginalized. It makes me feel like I'm not getting my needs met. And mostly it makes us feel exhausted and burned out and overworked. And I'll give you an example. I've been in a situation the last couple of weeks. First of all, we have a lot of family birthdays in the spring, which is great. We always get together. We celebrate. I'm very close to my family. It's a fun time. But there are multiple cards and gifts and desserts to plan and all the ways we celebrate. And that mostly falls to me. You know what I'm talking about. You may buy the card or think ahead. Well, every May or every April, there's a birthday and I'm going to need a card for this. And we got to plan the schedule for this. And I got to figure out the daughter's work schedule and my work schedule and all these things. Right. At the same time, my daughter is going through uh, some drama through no fault of her own at school with a grade situation. And it's fine. It's going to be okay. But it's super stressful. It's requiring a lot of my attention because 
she needed some support and meetings with the principal and so forth. It's taking a lot in this interaction while I'm also working full time. So my mind is working through the assignments I have due and the things I'm working on. Meanwhile, I'm sending emails back and forth and try to figure out the situation and how best problem solve this and, and support everybody's needs and, and help my daughter advocate for herself and all those things. That is emotional labor. And I got to the weekend last weekend and just basically sat in a stupor all of Saturday. I needed the downtime. I created the quiet time that I so often talk about here and read books. And I just didn't have the bandwidth to make another decision, right? For me, that's what it feels like. I'll get through the day and between work and the family needs and my own personal needs, I will make a billion, trillion, quadrillion decisions each day. And I know you know what I'm talking about because you're probably making decisions about what you need and what feels good to you and what you need to get done around what everybody else has got going on. That is emotional labor. It's emotional work. It's about meeting the needs of others while filling in the expectations of what our role is in the family or what we've established. I mean, this is our responsibility too, right? And it's okay until it's only on us, until it's been too much. And you know what I'm talking about. This happens a lot in customer service industries too, where the server's job is focused on meeting the needs of others, showing up and cheery and happy, even when they've had a crappy night and don't feel like it, or even when their kid is homesick and they need the job. So they've showed up yet again. And the reality is most of us don't think about this. Most of us in our families have partners who are supportive and loving and kind, but would never understand the impact of emotional labor if they're not the one giving most of it, okay? Like when I step up and I say, I'm just exhausted. I feel like I'm shouldering everything. My husband looks around. He's like, just tell me what to do. Tell me how to help. I'm happy to do it. And he is. He's a very good partner. He does a lot of the chores and we have that kind of relationship. And yet me needing to tell him, what to put on the shopping list is another form of emotional labor for me. Me calling for the bids for the roof cleaning, that's another form of emotional labor for me. It's not that he wouldn't do it. It's that I need to identify what needs to be done before he knows to do it. And that is where I get exhausted. How do you feel? Do you know what I'm talking about? Again, this is a new term to me, emotional labor. But the minute I read it on Greater Good at Berkeley EDU, it just like clucked. And then I checked out the book by Rose Hackman called Emotional Labor. I think it's worth checking out. It explains a lot of some of this fatigue I felt in midlife while raising a daughter, while being married. It's a great joy as well. This is just an awareness and understanding, right? It's not a criticism. But when we understand it, that we're putting out more emotional labor, then it goes a long ways to explaining why we're tired at the end of the day. So how do we manage all this? There's a lot to it and it could be simple just the same. And you know what I'm gonna say first. It all starts with awareness. Take a look, take an inventory of how your relationships are working, how your 
working with coworkers at the office? Are you the one giving? Are you the one doing most of the emotional labor? remembering that it's somebody's birthday so you're in charge of bringing the card and circulating it around the desk or picking up the cake for the lunch break or are you the one that is receiving the benefit of that kind of emotional support and care it's interesting to look at i think there's give and take i think there should be pieces of this everywhere right there are things that my husband does more often than i do he takes out the trash all the time Right? And I, I don't want to take out the trash. And I thank him every night. And yet, even so, I'm very attuned to the fact of the things he's doing around here. He doesn't do that as much, not because he's not willing, but because he doesn't see it the way I do. He's not attuned to that. Right. I was raised to be attuned to that thing. Is that because I'm a woman? Is that because I'm who I am, a compassionate person? I don't know. I suspect it was because um, I was raised by a very strong woman who is also super generous and makes things nice for everybody and takes on a lot of emotional labor. And so that was the example I learned from. And it made things really special and nice in our household. But it's making me feel exhausted when I continue with all the other stuff I'm also doing and needing to fill in that component too. So it's just worth thinking about. In the beginning, become aware of what emotional labor looks like, how it plays out in your relationships and at work and in the systems that you navigate in your life with your children and the routines you hold. And take a look at what other people bring and don't bring. Again, this isn't a judgment thing. This is just an awareness because if you have a deficit, if you feel like you're always taking on the emotional labor roles and nobody else is picking up their share of it, that's good to know. That's nobody's fault. You have created the system together, but it's time to start talking about this stuff. What's working and how it feels to you and how the relationship could be better if one person isn't taking it all on. And there are some other ways to understand this uh, dynamic of emotional labor, who's giving it, who's taking it, how it can be more balanced and more supportive for all of you. And we're going to get into it when we come back to Polly Campbell simply said on the best business network of Alerticast. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. 
And we are back. You're listening to Polly Campbell Simply Said on the best business network of Electrocast. And I am Polly. And today we're talking about emotional labor. Have you heard this term? I had never heard this term. But when I started learning about it this week, uh, looking at the book by Rose Hackman, the research by Arlie Russell Hochschild, a sociologist um, from the University of California, Berkeley, who coined the term back in the 80s. It made total sense to me. You know what I'm talking about. So what is emotional labor? It's the invisible and unpaid work (laughs) that we do to keep others comfortable and happy. It's when you're up all night with your baby who can't sleep because they're anxious or stressed out. Or in my case this week, dealing with principals on a school situation that I needed to get involved with to support my daughter. I want to do that for her. I want her to feel comfortable and happy and not anxious in this situation that has nothing to do with her, but is impacting her. And as a result, the things I'm doing require a whole lot of emotional labor on my part and involvement, writing letters to the principal, conferences and conversations on all these things. And I'm not getting paid for that. It's not part of my job. It is part of mothering. But here's the thing, right? That's how I define my role as a mother. That's what you do for your kid. And yet, not everybody sees it that way. In fact, most of the people who give the largest supply of emotional labor are women, are people who uh, work in fields at lower income levels or service personnel. These are people um, of color who may have to educate others about how how the system is unequal, how racism persists in their lives. And at work, it it can look like the customer is always right policy, right? Where, Where the staff has to jump through every hoop to meet the needs emotional and physical of the customer. Think about a server. Are they really paid to clean up after a messy baby? And yet they do it with a smile on their face. Or you get the order wrong and you're a jerk when you send it back and they need to step in and make it right for you. All that is emotional labor. And often, We're not compensated for that stuff. We certainly aren't compensated for it at home, right? I read statistics that show that men in domestic partnerships at home, this is looking only at heterosexual couples now in this research, shows that men get 49 minutes of free or recreational time more than women every single day. They take 49 more minutes of relaxation time every day. Now, I went back and forth on this because good for them, right? If you're in a partnership or you make that decision to support yourself that way, good for them. And then I'm a little annoyed by that because uh, until probably this last year when I'm demanding more of it, I never get that kind of time. And then I only get that kind of time after everybody else is taken care of, right? After the shopping list is done. And if I'm not doing the laundry, I'm delegating the laundry to get done or whatever it is. So that's kind of on me too. Why am I not carving out that time for me to restore myself mentally and emotionally? 
it's just interesting how these dynamics get. And before we went to break, we were talking about how to manage this. And the first thing is to become aware, just to go through the questions that I'm bringing up now. Like, how's your household running? How's your interaction with friends? Do you have interactions and connections with others where you're constantly the one bringing the birthday cards or planning the party or inviting people over? Or is it more mutual than that? How's it working at work? Are you the one that everybody vents to and you step in and comfort and offer encouragement and support? Who does that for you? What are your needs about that? Often we grow up in certain systems within our family structures and our communities thinking, oh, this is how it goes. This is what women do. This is what men do. This is what workers do. No, that's not right. We learn often by what's modeled for us. And traditionally, women have been the ones to take care of the emotional labor at home. But now we're all working just as much as anyone else. And now we're discussing, we're aware of more mental health challenges, we're parenting differently, we're in the world differently. So it's time to start thinking and becoming aware of how the emotional labor balance is happening in your own life. It's worth exploring. So that's where we after that, I think we can look at the situation with some empathy and some curiosity. For example, I am setting up transportation around my daughter's work schedule, around her dentist appointment, around uh, an event that I need to get to, around my work schedule. My husband is going to work and he's coming back. He will find food in the refrigerator if I haven't prepared it for us or talked to him about it and he'll make something. He's not opposed to pulling his share, but he will not think about those things in the day. Is that because I don't make space for that to happen? At the same time, I think we can create opportunities for people to also experience what we are experiencing. I have a class on Tuesday nights every week. It's important to me. I go every week. It takes the whole evening. I'm booked from five to nine, sometimes longer. And I no longer prepare dinner. That's not a big secret. I'll say, hey, you know, I have this workshop tonight, whatever the family knows. How. And it's up to my husband and my daughter to arrange dinner for the three of us, me included. And this wasn't anything people balked at, but it was a job I had always taken on. Now, not only is there the physical labor of preparing the meal, but there's the emotional labor of coming up with the menu idea, right? And I don't know if that is so depleting for me at the end of a day when I put all this other emotional labor and physical labor out into my work and my family life and my health and all of that. When I mentioned this to them, nobody complained. Okay, they're in charge of Tuesdays. They'll make sure I get the food. I don't complain about the food they make. Uh, once in a while, I'll have a suggestion if I know it's in the fridge, but often they fix it, come up with it, and deliver it to me. And that's been good for everybody. So the barrier in that case was a lack of awareness on my husband's part, and I didn't create the environment for him to witness that or learn that. So I'm getting better at talking about the emotional labor that's involved in my experience. I'm getting better at creating experiences for him so that he can take some of the pressure off of me, but also so that he can understand what I'm experiencing. 
Now, as with anything, this requires some emotional labor on my part too, right? It, it's like if I step, if my biases get in the way of an experience somebody else is having and they have to explain to me what my problem is, they have to stop and educate me about my own prejudice that puts the burden on them. That's more emotional labor on them. So the best I can do for others is to continue learning about myself and uh, be honest with my failings and my biases and, and try to learn about that. View situations through their eyes, um, times when maybe I didn't get it rather than putting the burden on somebody else. And if somebody catches me when I'm wrong, I am certainly not going to be demanding of them. I'm going to open up my my mind and educate myself. I'm going to do my own research. I'm going to do my own learning better, understand those situations. That's my responsibility, okay? I think we can make it better for each other. I think there can be more balance. And I think it's worth being aware of how the things are working in your workplace dynamic, in your social dynamic, your connections with friends, and in your intimate relationship, your intimate partnership. Because if you're always the one making the doctor's appointments or buying the birthday cards or planning the meals, if you're always the one making the shopping list then that is a sign of emotional labor and it may be an imbalance. And the imbalances cause more stress on the person giving it, right? Even though many do it willingly in the beginning. And we only identify it when it's become too much, right? And it feels like high stress. It feels like burnout. It feels like fear that what if I didn't do it? Would it even get done? Would would people be okay? It feels like being overwhelmed. Sometimes we don't notice it until one of the people gets sick and the other one has to pick up the slack, right? So, it, and there's a line that I've read in research that comes up a lot and I certainly have used it in my relationship where I'm so frustrated at the point that I'm not understood that I say something like, I shouldn't even have to ask. You should know that we need to pick up our daughter from school or whatever it is. But that's the responsibility of both of us to sit down and connect in in an honest and fair way and say, I am taking on too much of this emotional labor stuff. It's draining to me. It's taking time from the work that I also need to complete and want to complete. And it's making me feel resentful or frustrated or exhausted or angry. And talk through those systems. Talk through how that situation has come to be, the expectations and perceptions of both of you, and how it can go different so that everybody can come together and there can be some understanding. I'll give you an example. My husband does most of the grocery shopping and he did that when I was, um, you know, leading up to hip surgery. I couldn't walk very well and we were in COVID and he could get in and get out faster. And, and then I was in the recovery and he just took that on and he's great. I mean, I, I really appreciate that. But every time I had to come up with a shopping list, we live in the same house. We've been together 24 years and every time I'd have to say, we need some milk <laughs> or we need some coffee or we need some Cheerios, whatever it is that we've been eating for our whole life together. And at first it became a joke 
And then I got really ticked off. I became really frustrated and resentful that he is doing a big favor for our family, which is not a favor at all. Somebody has to do the grocery shopping, right? As part of being in a partnership, part of having a family and do the grocery shopping. But I had to give all the energy to figuring out the meals and the ingredients we needed to make the shopping list. We talked about that. It took some time, <laughs> lots of discussion to understand each other, where we were coming from. But now it's pretty seamless. He does most of the list and I add the thoughts that I'm having. It's a very balanced approach. It's taken a huge burden off of me. And that thing has proven to be a big thing for me and it's a little thing for him. Like he never had any idea that putting together the weekly shopping list was taxing eventually on top of everything else. We came to an understanding, we developed a new system and we were patient as we both learned. When we have emotional labor issues here, when I feel, it's almost always when I feel like I'm taking on too much or giving too much out, managing the money and managing the family schedule and the contractors and all those little details that make the life here for everyone else work better. That's a shared responsibility. It's my responsibility to sit back and look at what I'm doing to contribute to the situation. Am I enabling? Am I taking it over without even delegating or talking to people and then becoming resentful? That is my responsibility and that's what I can control. I think this is a really interesting uh, topic and idea. I can see how it plays out in good and bad ways throughout my relationship. And I like learning new stuff. So I this was, again, new to me and I'm I'm uh, I'm interested in it. We'll be talking more about this as we go on. It explains a lot. And you can learn more about all these ideas and tips and practices that can help us live well, do good, and be happy by joining our Simply Said community. You can find it at polycampbell.substack.com and sign up for free newsletters and other material from time to time. So empathy, awareness, communication, right? And curiosity. I think all those things can help us look at the situation. And when we do that, we will all live well, do good, and be happy. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 years of music with 50-year-old white guys. Electric acid. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric acid.